This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie May Peluso. How you doing? Are you living? Are you learning? Are you fucking loving? I hope you're doing all those things and more. I am excited to be here. It's early where I'm at. Oh, wait a minute. I got fucking coffee. Hold on. Ah, there we go. Mm. A little coffee in the morning never hurt you. I, go, I switch in between having coffee and not having coffee. It's hard for me because there's certain coffees that give me a horrible anxiety. And I really do think it messes with your adrenal certain coffees. And then there's other coffees that depending on the quality of the bean makes me feel focused. You know, I'm somebody who suffers and I say suffer because now I know the depth of um, my ailment with ADD and I have real ADD. And for some reason, as a society, we haven't recognized that as something that's real. I think we've sort of turned it into this very common situation that people sort of suffer from. And we just chop it up to, oh, th- they can't focus. Well, it's so much more than that. <clears throat> this isn't me looking for sympathy. This is me realizing who I am as an individual. And you guys know through listening to the podcast being able to talk with various doctors and obviously becoming friends and um, a patient of Dr. Daniel Amen and learning about my brain. I learned about my day ADD, my day DD. That's a, it basically what it is all day long. I have ADD and things I, things that help and things that inhibit. And unfortunately the things that inhibit tend to be my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. I like red wine and fat blunts and also having edibles. Will it help me think I don't fucking care because it's been a horrible year. (laughs) See, that song was brought to you by ADD. But I will say, I do mix my mud water in with my coffee when I'm feeling like having coffee. And, you know, getting those adaptogens definitely help my ADD. And this is not a commercial. Mudwater is not sponsoring this podcast. You guys know I only I only talk about things I actually use. And um, getting those adaptogens. What are adaptogens? They are uh, basically like holistic herbals, herbals, holistic herbs that are thought to help with stress, you know, like mushrooms got your reishi, your chaga, your cordyceps, uh, those sort of things can really help combat stress. And um, I find by adding them to my coffee, it makes a big difference. 
you know, they're, they're, I see the health benefits and, um, you can get teas and powders and, you know, so if you're somebody out there who deals with ADD, look into adaptogenic supplements and adaptogenic teas and tinctures, powders, stuff like that. You can add to your food, smoothies, coffees, what have you. I notice a difference. And I will say because of my ADD, sometimes coffee really helps me focus. So this was just a five minute long pro coffee commercial. I hope I don't get canceled. I hope I don't get canceled. Speaking of getting canceled, who watched the fucking Oscars? Woo! (laughs) I decided to do like a regular intro this week because this week's episode is super special and it's just me this week on uh, that podcast and I didn't have a full hour so I wanted to just chat with you guys up top here and tell you about my week but damn who saw the Oscars first of all who fucking watches the Oscars okay it's just a self-congratulatory award ceremony to boost movie business it's basically like somebody going hey look how great I did yeah and everyone goes yeah you did so great and then they're like give us more money so we can do more great things you're not solving any real problems you're not solving like systemic racism you're not solving poverty you're you're not curing kids of cancer you're just making movies about all that not that I don't love those and see the value but come on it's a little ridiculous I'm obviously referring to the slap heard around the world one small slap for man one giant leap backwards for mankind everywhere especially black mankind I was shocked and awed And let's take a break for ASMR. It's a dog bag. (laughs) An empty dog bag, but still. I have to remember to do an ASMR video for our Patreon. I'll do that this week. Anybody out there, don't forget to join the Patreon, the fan club. Patreon.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. New content, new videos every week. Back to the slap heard round, the Oscars. Yeah, Will Smith, famed actor, Fresh Prince, other half of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, took it upon himself to not restrain himself and walked up on stage in the middle of Chris Rock delivering jokes as he was hired to do. Not even sure if they get fucking paid, so probably working, quote unquote, pro bono to do and Chris Rock is working the room like he does because he's a fucking pro and mentions Jada Pinkett does a joke about Jada Pinkett let's listen to the joke just so we are all on the same page Jada I love you G.I. Jane too can't wait to see it alright <laughs> 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 it's that was, a, that was a nice one okay Here. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that make me laugh so hard? 
<laughs> just smacked the shit out of me. Okay, now was the the video's not over. Let's listen to the full video and get into it. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a GI Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? So, there's a lot to unpack there. A lot, a lot, a lot. And I'm sure you guys maybe have already exhausted yourself of this news and you're like, move on. It, it just happened. There's a there's there's so many more important things happening in the world, obviously, that this does not take precedent over, you know, the, the fucking genocide in Yemen and the, and the bombings in Ukraine and the suffering that we endure on our own streets here domestically. But <clears throat> that being said... <laughs> It's pretty good fucking news. I, the first of all, the one thing to know is that Chris Rock is a stand-up comedian, okay? And I'm not saying we are impervious to accountability. That's not what I'm saying. Our job is to make people laugh. And that's it. We're not, our job is not to offend people. Our job is not to uh, also tend to your trauma. Our job is not to walk on eggshells because we're worried about your, your offense level, That that's not our fucking job. I'm sorry. It's not. Our job is to bring joy. And if along that process, a nerve is struck, I've said this over and over. If a nerve is struck, that's because you have some healing to do. You're hurt. And where there is hurt and pain, there's truth. And you have an opportunity to heal. So that's one one thing. Jesus, I almost fucking took my front tooth out with this stupid metal straw. Fuck the turtles. I'm kidding. Don't fuck the turtles. That's weird. And I love turtles. Not like love them. Like I want to fuck them, but I love them. I care about them. And I don't want them to die from straws. I. The other thing to note is that. Will Smith laughed. Okay. Um, he laughed initially. And then I think there's something obviously going on with him where he was on edge, where there was a straw that was going to break his, you know, the last straw. And this was it for him. I feel like he was just seconds away from snapping no matter what was going to happen. He, he was just kind of looking for a release for some reason. But then it's like, well, he laughed. So why would he laugh? That makes me think that he's a little unstable right now. It feels like he's a little maybe detached from his own emotions. Uh, obviously, this is all conjecture and speculation. But looking at how it all went down, he obviously wasn't an individual with stable emotions because he went through all the emotions within seconds, which I, I know people can do. And that doesn't indicate that somebody is mentally unstable, but he laughed. He got mad. He, um, overreacted. He got violent and then was calm. It, it's almost, those are similar reactions to, I would imagine how Ted Bundy attacked his victims. <laughs> and I'm not calling Will Smith a serial killer. I'm saying he was obviously, in my opinion, going through something and 
took this opportunity to release a little bit of the pressure that he's been feeling from whatever source. You know, um, the other thing is that it wasn't a great joke. No offense to Chris Rock, but it was a G.I. Jane joke. Like, hey, in the words of David Spade, 2005 called, it wants its joke back. G.I. Jane? What? And, and here's the other thing. We're all under the assumption that Chris Rock knows about Jada Pinkett's alopecia journey. How, how self-involved can we be as people? <clears throat> this is the one thing where I realize and really agree that social media has created monsters out of people. Not that I'm sh we shouldn't have some sympathy and empathy for Jada's journey. You guys, you know me. You know how I am. I'm not a demon. Well, she, she, wasn't she in Demon Night? Wasn't she in that movie? That was a great fucking movie with, with, um, Billy Zane. No, wasn't that what it was called? I got to look it up now. Um, I, I'm not a demon, you know, but, but to assume that we should all be privy to everyone's fucking struggle. It's a lot. It's a lot to expect, and it, it, this is what social media sort of has created. This is the other side of social media where people are self-important, and my journey is the only journey, and everyone should bow down to it, and everyone should consider my journey. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think we have to... There's one thing to say about knowing that people are going through something. We're all going through something. Right? It was Demon Knight. I fucking love Demon Knight. It was a sequel to Bordello of Blood. You guys remember that from Tales from the Crypt? Jada Pinkett. Oh, great movie. Thomas Hayden Church. You got to watch it. It's a classic if you're into horror. But all things being said, we, sh we all need to understand that everyone has a journey we're going through. Yes. But... No one's individual journey, it takes precedence over like the society, the j journey of the society as a whole j -j 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 <laughs> is, is the point I am trying to make. And it, it's it, it, as a woman having alopecia, that sucks. That, that really fucking sucks. And I feel for her. Um, but it, it's just... It's a lot to ask a comedian to not to make certain concessions, especially when traditionally this award show and award shows like it, like Golden Globes. Who remembers the fucking Golden Globes? Remember Ricky Gervais tore into Hollywood, tore into Hollywood. And we didn't people laughed. People laughed. And now. This, this may or may not set a precedence for what's going to come. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But <laughs> all I know is I want Will Smith smack the shit out of me t-shirts. <laughs> okay, the other thing to unpack here is that, okay, we talked about how it was a bad joke. It was a bad joke. I'm sorry, Chris. It was, it was, it was a kind of a lazy, it was a lob. It was a lob. You're the king. We're expect. you know, we need we need some more intelligent writing. It was a little bit lazy. Maybe it was a riff. To me, it felt like it was a written joke that he performed. It could have been a riff, Chris. I don't know. 
but it was lazy. <clears throat> That's not to say you deserve to get fucking slapped on stage by one of your own. It was, you know, I would imagine Chris and Will, maybe they have, maybe they have bad history. But that's, I would assume, like, a peer. It's one of your own. Will used to do, wasn't he a comedian? He started off as a comedian. Like, what? And the other thing to unpack is that Will taking it upon himself to come on the stage and to enter another man, another human's space in such a domineering and um, aggressive manner without any repercussion is really bad, really bad. And it just goes to show you how fucking phony Hollywood is. Just goes to show you how fucking scared, self-serving, indulgent, and entitled the entire industry is. Not one person did anything. Not one. And then the other thing to unpack is just how each of them handled the situation individually. Obviously, Will Smith fucking lost his shit. Smacked the shit out of Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock, can we talk about how respectful and what a pro that man was? He had to finish his job. Can you imagine on live television being slapped by one of the most famous people in the world and then having to continue to work? I don't think we realize what the fuck went down. And you're probably like, there's so many other terrible things going on in the world. Why are you so passionate about this? Well, uh, because th this isn't um, a terrible things in the world recap podcast, okay? Um, I'm a human. I'm, I'm, I'm like a, obviously, well, we, the, the jury's still out about me being a human, but I, I observe human behavior. It's what I've always done. And for Will Smith to just have the, the gusto and confidence to enter another man's space while he was working and degrade him in front of the world says a lot about the individual. Now, I know Will has already apologized. I know Will has apologized, but he had opportunities to apologize. He had opportunities to apologize. Like when he got his fucking acceptance speech and, you know, made it about him. made it all about him talked about God and God's plan for him and this is the thing maybe he's going through some shit there might be some stuff that comes out where we go oh okay yeah well the slap makes sense we don't know we might find out that the slap is gonna make sense that's a fucking possibility you guys that's a strong possibility we're gonna go oh okay because I will tell you when you're going through traumatic shit you're not level you're not calm you're not yourself you're reactive, you're coming from a place of survival, and you, you're reacting from a place of fear. That's what Will Smith felt like to me watching that. Like, he wasn't Will Smith as we know him. He was a different Will Smith. Maybe this is the result of all of us coming off 
of the heels of two years of being completely shut in and that how, how much that affects us. But for him to think that smacking Chris was the, his best option to me indicates that he's got some shit going on. So here, here's his apology that he wrote after the day after violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior last at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line. I was wrong. I'm embarrassed by my actions. They were not indicative of the man I am or the man I want to be. There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Okay, first of all, words aren't violence. They're just words. So that alone is, to me... I don't know. A little dangerous. I think it's a slippery slope for us to equate words to violence because now we're creating this precedent that words hurt. Well, we have to create stronger people. That's what it comes down to. That's where tough love kicks in as a parent. I would assume. Sticks and stones won't break my bro- bo- <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bones. <laughs> Sticks? Let's try. Third time's a charm. See, words, well, maybe words do hurt. Obviously hurt me, try, they hurt my brain. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What the fuck happened to that? What happened to that? Did we just bail on it? Did we just friggin' bail on it? Because I thought that that was our doctrine as children. Wasn't that, wasn't that the whole childhood dogma? Sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me. What, what, what the fuck? Why did we bail on that? <clears throat> I don't understand it. And I, I, his apology even feels a little self-serving. The whole thing feels self-serving and it, 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 how he accepted his award. Maybe he's, maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he was on drugs. I don't know, but there's a lot to unpack there. One, Chris Rock is a comedian. It was his job to make jokes Two, if jokes trigger something in you, there's an opportunity for you to heal because you're feeling some pain and through that pain is truth. Three, you've got to learn how to control your reactions because that's all you can control are your reactions to people. And obviously Will Smith had an issue doing that. You don't, people's, you can't control what people do. You can only control your reactions to them. And Will Smith failed terribly. Three, Chris Rock's joke was terrible and it doesn't mean that he deserves to get slapped for it. He'll believe me as comedians, we attack ourselves enough. We don't need somebody else attacking us. Okay. We beat ourselves up enough. We don't need the fucking fresh Prince to come and bitch slap us on live TV. (laughs) Five. Am I at five? Five. This, this is not good for, for black people think about all the years it's taken for black people to even be recognized let alone uh, receive awards and now will smith is just going to perpetuate violence how do we know this isn't going to incite uh you know more racism how how do we know this isn't going to validate you know racist white people to be like see now, black people are slapping each other on stage. 
this is why we shouldn't have had them in the academy in the first place. How do we know we're, this isn't going to incite those sort of ideologies? With great power comes great responsibility, and I think Will Smith failed. He failed for his wife, he failed for himself, he failed for entertainment, and he failed for black people. And this comes off the heels of reading a really good article by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar where he touches on these points. I'll put the link to the article in the show notes. I highly recommend the read. It's a good read. <clears throat> but I, I agree with a lot of it. I think this sets back a lot of those forward momentum achievements that women have made, that entertainers have made, that black people have made. And not that this is going to be a huge hiccup in the ripple of time. It's something that has unified us overnight. You know, I made the joke that we're more responsive to this than what's going on in, in the Ukraine. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But I think that Will Smith has a lot of healing to do. And I hope he heals. I hope he heals or I hope he stops doing cocaine or whatever it was that gave him the confidence to feel like that was the right response. And I can't wait to see Chris Rock's new special. He's going to be on tour filming it, I believe. <clears throat> Ego death. I believe that's what it's called. And then I had a thought this morning where what if this was a big ploy by Chris Rock? He's embarking on his Ego death world tour this year. What if this was his kickoff to the tour? This might be a little meta, but think about how his ego died in that moment, being slapped by one of his own, a performer, a black man in front of the world on live TV, doing what he loves, doing what the world knows him for. His ego totally threatened. What if this was like one big promotional move by Chris Rock? If not, he might need to thank Will Smith for this move. We don't know. We don't know. It just seems like a real blow to his ego and the kickoff for his tour. It, it, it seems like a perfectly placed marketing tool. That's all I'm saying. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But Chris Rock's Ego Death World Tour is starting, I believe, in weeks. And he just got smacked the shit <laughs> Will Smith just smacked the shit out of him. <laughs> well, I think the moral of the story is what I say to people on stage. Your healing is your responsibility. And your reaction is all you can control. And if you're out of control, it's probably because you're not doing the job you need to do to heal whatever is hurting you. And I hope Will Smith heals whatever's hurting him. He's obviously going through some stuff. Maybe the pressure of filming King Richard was too much for him, which I highly recommend seeing that movie. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the award, but I think the self-serving and non-apologetic acceptance speech where he was crying, being passive aggressive to avoid taking accountability for slapping one of his peers was really, really an example of white entitlement. How can you as a black man stand up there and not take accountability for a totally hijacking another black man's moment? It's like you and Kanye need to have lunch. 
and talk about what's going on in the world. You guys should have lunch and maybe heal, heal each other a little bit. And this is just my opinion. I have no idea what it feels like to be a black man in this world. I know what it feels like to be a woman and it doesn't feel good. I can't imagine it feels great to be a black man, but to achieve what you've achieved and to take advantage of it like that, how it felt to me, it felt like a man with great power, taking advantage of that and really taking for granted his position in the world. But go see King Richard. It's fantastic. (laughs) It's a really great movie. And I can't wait to see Chris Rock's Ego Death um, World Tour. I hope I'm able to catch a show. I think he's fantastic. And I think you guys are fantastic. I I hope you enjoyed my rant about what happened. And we are, um, we're we're praying for Ukraine. (laughs) You know what? I think it was, it was, um, Ricky Gervais. Now, if you have, a, I, I'll put the link for the article f- from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the show notes, and I will also put the link to the video of Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes tearing apart Hollywood. And Ricky Gervais said something really great during that video clip. He said, "We're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel." And that's the fucking point. We're all going to die soon. Okay. So uh, we should be taking the time to be badasses, to definitely treat each other well, to laugh, to be a part of our community, to give back, to uh, fucking eat delicious food, to just to, to really suck the life out of life or maybe slap the life out of life. Really take the opportunity to slap all the juice out of life. Well, I think I take that opportunity this week where I sat down in my hotel in New York City, took a few moments to chat with you guys, answer some questions. We, we took some phone calls from the fans. If you guys want to call into the podcast and have it be featured on the podcast, give us a call. 513-916-0930 and leave me a message or a text message and you could have an opportunity to have it be played on the podcast. So um, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode with the one, the only, the future, Mrs. Brad Pitt, the the current ex John Ham and ex John Stamos and possibly future Mrs. Momoa, depending on how the Mrs. Pitt Peluso situation goes and how open the relationships are. The one, the only <laughs> so stupid. This is really just dumb. I'm introducing myself. I'm over here like, Oh God, Will Smith is, Oh, what a narcissist. And here I am doing an intro for me. <laughs> See, I'm laughing at myself, okay? I'm laughing at myself. The one, the only, Miss Jessie Mae Peluso. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Mae Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, 
comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Oh, oh, she's cute. She's certainly cute. I'm in a hotel room in front of a breaker box. I'm in New York City. I'm here with my sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece and nephew. Oh, fuck. And I'm in between shows right now. I just got back from Kansas. Shout out to everybody who came to the Kansas shows. I realize I've been promoting it as Kansas City, Missouri, I believe. I think I actually said I was going to be at the Kansas City Improv for weeks on the podcast, and it was not the Kansas City Improv. It was the Comedy Club KC. Shout out to Dustin and his staff there. It was amazing. Uh, I obviously have an issue with uh, geography and where things are and details. That's why I have Deb. That's why I have an assistant. Um, It feels weird to be in New York City as a visitor. Um, I lived in New York City for 10 years through my 20s, and I highly recommend anybody who's curious and just just curious about the boundaries of where you live, because I always felt that way as a, as a kid growing up. I was always wondering what was beyond my streets. I was always wondering if there was more then met my eye in in my neighborhood and you know beyond my city i you know growing up an analog child we didn't really have yes i'm fidgeting with my baby hairs we didn't really have access to the internet like you guys have now we didn't have just making sure you can see my boobs add hour with jesse may you know we we weren't on the internet like you guys are so we didn't know that there was even a world out there. I didn't know that there was a world out there, but I was curious if there was one. It's almost like not knowing made me more curious. And I almost wonder, do we know too much? And I think we do. I think we know way too much. I don't think as human beings we're meant to know all these answers that we now know. As convenient as the Google search engine is and other probably safer search engines, it does sort of eliminate the need for curiosity. Our ability to wonder, I think, has sort of depleted. It's become depleted because now we know. But as a kid, I always wondered what was out there and if there was more for me. And I think that's why I left at such a young age from Syracuse, New York. I know that's why. I think being exposed to comedy specials from a young age made me curious about what I could do for a living and what it meant to have a job. Both of my parents had very traditional jobs. You know, my dad um, worked for the city of Syracuse. He was a housing inspector. He also sold real estate, which I don't even know what the fuck he sold, like a used RV. I have to ask my sister, like, I've been telling people years that my dad sold real estate. It could have very well been just like a used RV. And then he said he sold real estate. Because <laughs> we, we did not 
we did not grow up rich, okay? But my dad had three jobs. He he also was a bartender. And I remember going to the bar. I remember going to Twin Trees where my dad worked in Syracuse, New York. Shout out to anybody who knows what I'm talking about. And him making me Shirley Temples. I remember it being a very dark bar with very lonely divorced men. That tends to be the state bird of the Syracuse bars. Just a bunch of newly divorced or widowed men bellied up at 11 a.m. My kind of man. And my dad was one of them. <laughs> he poured drinks for them and then became the person he was serving. Full circle for my father. But back to the original point, I was always curious about what lied just outside of my boundaries. And I think that's why I moved to big cities. You know, I moved to Boston when I was 18 and then I went to New York a few, few years later. And if you're a person who's curious about the rest of the world, a New York city move is a good move. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. The 10 years I lived here, I hustled. You have to hustle in the city. This is the city of hustlers, literally the city that doesn't sleep. It lives up to all of its reputations and it creates new ones every day. It is such an amazing city with so many different nations that are represented, so many different flavors and smells and languages. Your senses are overloaded and they are stimulated and they become heightened all in one in this city. It's a city that by living in it alone makes you smarter. It makes you more keen. It makes you savvier. It makes you trendier and more stylish. It makes you heartbroken. <laughs> it drives you nuts. It drives you. It's, it's all the things. New York City is all the things. So being here makes me nostalgic for the time that I lived here. Being here makes me yearn for the, that decade of my life spent hitting the pavement, literally literally chopping my teeth in the streets of this of this amazing city and essentially created a foundation for me to be able to survive in the streets of any city and for me to be able to appreciate travel more because when you live in New York you almost feel like you're traveling the world walking these streets you're passing by people who are speaking languages from foreign lands and languages from places you've never even heard of and it's, it's a beautiful place to live, to also become endeared to fellow human beings and also to understand other people's strife because you're witness to so many different fucking scenarios from people stepping over a bum who we're not sure is asleep or dead to school children with no parents, just eight-year-olds and 88-year-olds walking around alone. That's New York City. And, you know, and then you pass by George Clooney. That's New York City. That's New York City in a nutshell. It's, it's just one of the most amazing places in the world. And I've, I've been to a lot of places. I've been to a lot of amazing cities and countries. But coming back here, I, it always makes me nostalgic. And being here with my family is so special. With my sister and my brother-in-law and my niece and nephew, it's their first time in this city. And you know, they're looking at the buildings like, well, those are big Lego blocks. <laughs> those are, 
that's a huge Lego piece. It's so cool to be a part of creating core memories. And that's kind of what my sister and I, why we wanted to come here. That and to do edibles and see Harry Potter on Broadway. We're just using the kids as an excuse. Are we bad parents or are we the smartest parents in the world? I'm not considering myself a parent, but in this sense, I'm more of a parent than a child. Well, probably not. <laughs> probably not. My sister and I had a funny revelation this past week when we were talking to uh, one of her friends had a revelation and then in turn made her and I have a revelation where <clears throat> we realized that as children, we thought we were rich. I thought I was rich. My sister and I thought we were rich. We had toys, we had TVs, we had food, we had two parents, we had new clothes, um, bikes. We had all the accoutrements to what I considered a rich life. And we grow up and go back to the neighborhood we grew up in and realized we were poor as fuck. <laughs> testament to the way they raised us truly or a testament to our imagination either way somewhere we were rich and we came to that revelation because one of her friends I think one of her friends said that they just realized they grew up poor I'm gonna ask my sister who said they realized they were poor because that's where we realized we were poor <laughs> Because we went back to, you know, not like I've ever been away from the place I grew up in. You guys, if you know me, you know I've traveled back home many times. And when I was living in New York, I was driving home every other weekend because it only took four and a half, five hours to get back to Syracuse. And I was always very close and still am very closely connected to my hometown, to my home. My stepdad still lives there. But... You know, so we have the luxury of still being connected to where we grew up. But from this perspective, we were like, oh, fuck. Okay, we were not well off. Dad didn't have three jobs because, you know, he was balling. Dad had three jobs because he was bawling his eyes out because of how poor we were. <laughs> I don't think he sold real estate. I think he just sold all my mom's shit so he could pay the bills. Still don't know what real estate this guy sold. I wish I had, um, I've got a bad neck. If you see me peacocking a little or looking like a New York City pigeons because I'm trying to crack my neck. I need the backcracker from OC. Um, let's see what my sister said. <laughs> Why did we think that? Why did we say that? We said, I, she still can't figure it out. Why did we come to that? <laughs> realization <laughs> yeah we grew up fucking poor my mom raised us like my mom stayed home that's one of the reasons why my dad worked so many jobs was to 
provide so that my mother could be home with us. And I think that's probably where the feeling of growing up rich came. is because we were loved. And love, now I'm realizing as an adult, is the world's most luxurious commodity. Love is luxurious. It truly is. When you're loved, you're, you're living a life of luxury. Are you kidding me? Three square meals, hugs, parents that are quietly arguing in the other room. Come on. That's the American dream. And, and to realize that as an adult, our reality was something different was really as funny as it was. It also was just like, well, what is anything else a lie? Is that, does that mean it was a lie? Does that mean that we were just so oblivious to the reality because we were these new people? Children have such an ability to be optimistic for the most part, if they, if they're lucky again, I think if they're loved, they can have that beautiful childlike optimism that somewhere along the way we get adulted out of us and we turn into people who think that we were poor instead of still believing we were rich. Does that make sense? Because we're adults now and we know how the world works or at least how we perceive the world to work out of our adult lens. We look back at our existence as children with our parents and go, oh, we were poor. Based off of what? We weren't poor then. Maybe we're poor now in today's standards, but I think that's irrelevant. I honestly think now that that thought is just irrelevant because growing up, we never thought that. And we, you know, we had vacations, but they were at camps and with murky lake water. <laughs> not like we we didn't none of our vacations required us to go on a plane none of our vacations required us to travel in any fashion other than jamming our caprice classic to the ceiling with all of our cotton clothes <laughs> i legit remember us packing a U-Haul and trailing it behind a Caprice classic, a brown Caprice classic. And I'm like, we must be kings and queens. Is this, are we in Dubai? Because I must be a princess. I'm 100% sure I am the princess of the north side of Syracuse, New York. Please bow down and kiss the back of my hand and get out of the Caprice classics way because we're on our way to... Darien Lake. <laughs> Yo, our vacations were day trips to amusement parks. And we would pack lunches. I was like, oh my God, and we have food. <laughs> but I think that has a lot to do with how you're raised. Letting your children know that, you know, not everything is guaranteed. And that struggle really creates a rich existence. Struggle really creates a rich existence and makes your children have gratitude. You know, makes your children understand that there is work to be done in order to gain any sort of treats or rewards. 
we always were taught that we had to work to get the reward, which was so vital for us now. <clears throat> I think it's really one of the main reasons my sister and I are so pretty much well-developed adults because we understand the value of work. And my dad is a great example of that, or was, because he did, so was my mom. And he worked so hard. He worked so hard, but also really knew how to take breaks and relax and have fun. Really the, the best of both worlds. And my mother, and you know, the fact that my mother wanted to stay home with us. Let me tell you, I get it, y'all. I see kids as beautiful as they are, as, as precious as they are. I understand wanting to be like, bye, fucking see ya. This trip, this is the first time my sister, she made such a good point last night when we were at dinner. We went to Nobu, by the way. I don't know if I said that when I started, but Nobu in New York City is delicious. And the staff and, and service was amazing. It was just so, everything was immaculate. And I shoved food in my face like I was never going to eat again. Shout out to the edible that allowed me to eat like a cancer patient. Shout out to that edible. And shout out to the cancer patients out there struggling. If you're listening to this and it's bringing you joy, that fills my fucking heart. And get somebody to bring you some Nobu if you can eat it. But my sister made such a good point. She said, you know, this. if you were to tell me five years ago that I be in New York City bringing my kids here for a weekend, leaving them with someone I don't know for a night so I could go eat sushi, I tell you there's no way. Oh, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a child named Will, there's a way. And the way is out the door, away from Will because you need a fucking break. But, you know, the way my sister and I were raised, even though neither of us thought we were poor, gave us an appreciation for a life that we now live and gives us appreciation for other people who may not have been as fortunate or who aren't as fortunate. You know, my mother, she did work after we were old enough. My mother stayed home with me until... I think I was in first or second grade. She stayed home with us in those developmental years, those first five years of a child's life where they need their parent, where they are in constant need. My mom was there. And I think that really fucked me up. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, oh, I know what real love is. I know what real love is and now I won't accept anything less even though I've been through trauma and things that have given me every reason in the world and every right in the world to think love isn't real and and the world's against me ah and here comes Nance loving me to my core so I'm conflicted y'all I'm conflicted but you know there is a real value in working your fucking ass off but also taking a break like Joe Peluso and my mother she did work her ass off she was a union rep for Syracuse teacher uh, Syracuse City School District and was a really respected one and fought for everybody in a school who wasn't a teacher not that she was against teachers but her unit was like lunch ladies bus drivers um, nurses, anybody who wasn't an actual teacher in the school, she represented and fought for their rights and got them 
better pay and better holidays and, and made sure their insurance was okay. And these people would call all hours of the day. And I didn't know this. My stepdad just was, you know, revealing this to me. He said, you know, your mother would take calls into the wee hours of the night, helping people in their life. And she, she literally took her work home with her. And, and we witnessed that as kids. And you, as a child, I think you're witnessing something you don't understand, but you, it ends up instilling values in you. Because somewhere along the lines, you draw correlations that create your values and create your morals. And that's why it's so important to, to lead by example. Your children are always watching. And my sister and I were so lucky that we had two people that whether they knew it or not lived in a way that didn't make us turn out to be complete monsters and not that all monsters are created but I think most of them are I think most monsters in the world are created I do believe there are a few exceptions to that rule but few I put the emphasis on few and luckily my sister and I even though we grew up poor why do I think it's so funny that we just found out? I wish Deb was watching this live with me because she'd be dying. And not like, you know, we weren't, we didn't have, we weren't poor, poor, like collecting wick checks. And my mom had, you know, 10 different kids by six different men. It wasn't like that. It wasn't that vibe. We weren't like white trash. But let me tell you, we were a couple stops away. The train, the train stops were just next to each other. <laughs> and there's something to be said about struggle. I think struggle is the most important thing we have as human beings. I think it defines us. It ends up defining us. I think you can tell a lot about a person, about how they've struggled, how they've handled struggle, and what struggles they've had. And you also can tell, almost for me, I can, it's, it's like a, um, a criminal being able to pick out somebody to rob. Like they just know the, the vulnerable person. They know the weak person. I can pick out someone who hasn't struggled. I know it. I know it. And it's, it, it's like they wear it on their sleeve like it's a trophy. Literally, it's just trophies. It's just they've been handed everything and... And those people usually are miserable. That's the irony of having a lack of struggle in your life. It usually creates a sense of misery because there's nothing to be accomplished. Challenge provides us with so much satisfaction we don't even realize it. Usually because we're so afraid to start. We're so afraid to step into the challenge because of having a, this adverse emotional reaction to the pain of challenge and how difficult we think the challenge is going to be or wanting to stay in a place of comfort. Well, we all know you don't grow there. The one place you don't grow is in a comfortable place. That's not to say we shouldn't be in a comfortable place from time to time, like the womb in someone's arms, in a vagina. All those comfortable places for a little bit of time is good. But if you want to grow, you've got to grow. And that only happens through adversity and change and challenge. And a lot of us are afraid of challenge. We, we scour at it and we cower at it. I don't know, scour a word? I think I just kind of made one up. Cower, I believe, is what I was looking for. Challenge scares a lot of people. And then their fear takes over. And for me, I, 
I've always gone towards more challenging things. And I, and now realizing that we did not grow up affluent, I've, I understand why, because of how I was raised. We were raised in, in somewhat of a challenging fashion. And there's also something to be said about creating magic around an event or, or experience that isn't necessarily expensive. That takes a lot of creativity for parents. So shout out to any parents that are doing that. Shout out to parents that are creating a magical, a magical experience for their kids with pennies on the dollar. I think that that takes a real skill that, that requires a certain couth. It requires a certain determination and ability to overcome adversity and, and, and kudos to you if you're doing that with your kid and make sure you like give yourself a little, you know, dap and a little pat on the back, not too much, just a little bit, but you should also appreciate the, the strides you're making to create a magical world for your kids even though you may not be as rich as you wish you were or have the funds to make it what you think they deserve. Know that by creating it out of nothing, creating a magical something out of a financial nothing will instill values in your child that will carry them through life. So know that you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work. You're doing the Lord's work. Just know that because we witnessed it as kids and didn't even know what we were witnessing. And I think that's the whole point modeling our behavior is what your children end up doing and becoming amazing people like my sister and I we're so amazing <laughs> but we are kind of I think my sister's one of the greatest people I know and I see how she is with her friends and how she is with people she loves I mean it, it, she's a fucking saint over here she's practically she's practically a fucking she's like one of the she's a, in a habit we should put her in a fucking habit well she'd also probably have a mini skirt on and heels but she'd be a slutty nun and, and that's how great she is it is it, it is an alarming realization. I'm not over it yet. I'm not over it yet. My sister and I figured out who it was that helped us um, figure out what the realization about growing up poor felt like. And um, we had dinner with our friend in Syracuse last week and we were just like, huh, you, so you grew up poor? And we were like, Oh, that's what that was. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Cool. 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 So did we. So did we. But did we? I think our idea of poor as an adult is obviously so far away from richnesses and riches that we feel as a child or feeling rich as a child. It's just so different than feeling poor as an adult. You're coming from two totally different uh, perspectives. And I think the, the value that that adds to a child's life, if a child feels safe, then they're able to really expand their mind and be creative and wonder. That's the thing about becoming an adult. I feel like we lose awe. A-W-E. We lose that sense of wonderment and that sense of awe. It gets adulted out of us. And I think because of who I am as a person, for some reason I've, I've hung on to it. I still am like, what? And I think that's why I'm childlike to so many people because I kind of 
I'm, I'm not jaded. I'm not that jaded. I still have an excitement for things and even things that I've experienced prior. I still have this like overwhelming experience of wonder and wonder such a, it's such a wonderful emotion. I am not on an edible FYI, just so you know. I was, however, heavily edibled last night. My friend Eddie Bull came to dinner with me. That's my sister and I's code word for when we are partaking. We say, is Eddie Bull visiting? And people are like, who? Our friend Eddie. You, you don't know him. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. If you want to meet him, let us know. We'll, we'll put him in your mouth. <laughs> so it was with our friend Evelyn Ingram, who is she works for Wegmans in Syracuse in the corporate level. And she's just this wonderful person that we met at a charity event in Syracuse through my sister's friend circle. My sister has really cool friends in Syracuse and Evelyn Ingram and her husband Chino are renovating this amazing castle on the South side of Syracuse, which I think is such um, an important move because the South side of Syracuse traditionally has not been the best neighborhood and has been a neighborhood that's definitely struggled from a socioeconomic status. And I think her castle is going to really help flip that and help start to bring more businesses in and maybe some revenue for people to be able to fix their houses and housing and all of that. So Evelyn was one of our friends who at dinner last week was like, I just realized I grew up poor. So she realized that as an adult too. Has anyone else realized that out there? Anyone else listening? Have you had these revelations as an adult where you're like, oh, fuck, what I thought it was, it wasn't. Email me. I want to read your, your revelations. Email me at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. Tell me some epiphany you had as an adult that was completely different, was like the antithesis of what you thought or assumed as a child. I would love to hear yours. I would love to hear yours, if however you want to share, because you guys know we go deep on this podcast, so if you have something deep that you feel comfortable that I could share on the podcast, email me, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. And speaking of, <clears throat> we've got a couple calls this week from people. Um, let's see. We have a couple, and you guys know, these are always risky. Let's see. We've got, this is Gage. Let's see what Gage has to say. Hey, Jesse. My name is Gage. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. So I just want to say thank you because you make my day go by very easily. I actually work for Amazon. I'm a delivery driver. And our days are pretty fun. Gage, we got to talk. Okay, I'm just going to stop you right there. If you're an Amazon delivery driver, you need to be my friend. Okay, I do have Amazon Prime, but, you know, sometimes these packages get stolen because in, I don't know if you've heard about Venice, but it's basically like the zombie apocalypse right now. And I guess homeless people have uh, an affinity for all the shit that I buy from Amazon. So... Let's be friends. Well, with a bunch of Karens, with Bob's and Starbucks coffee, and fucking dogs chasing us all day. But um, besides that, you make my day go by very easy, and I crack up through my entire fucking mouth. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna go back to doing my job right now, which is dealing with fucking Karens and getting chased by dogs. So yeah, thank you, Gage. I love you, Gage. You're doing the Lord's work. You're an Amazon delivery driver? Yes, thank you. You're practically a heart surgeon in my mind. If you are delivering delivering Amazon packages, I thank you. I thank you. Because between my sister and I, we have literally kept Jeff Bezos in business. We've made, we're, we probably bought his yacht. 
after all the grief purchases my sister and I made, we call it grief grief shopping, grief pack, grief truck. Every time a FedEx or Amazon truck comes up her driveway, it's a grief truck. Um, yes, that's me confessing that the way I, one of the ways I coped with grief was shopping on Amazon. You guys know. Come on. It's an antidote. It's an antidote to depression. Don't you know that? They call it retail therapy. And even though it's not in a retail store, when I see the Amazon truck coming down the street, ooh, talk about childhood awe. I'm like, thank you to all the Amazon drivers out there. And if anyone talks bad to an Amazon driver, I feel like I, you know how there's mad mothers against drunk driving? There needs to be WAD. Actually, abusive, abusing Amazon drivers. Yeah, WAD. Women against abusing Amazon drivers. WAD. (laughs) No, 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 Karen. You don't get to talk shit to to my boy Gage. He's delivering my my zit sticker from Zitkilla. He's delivering my Lucy's pet food. He's delivering my hummingbird feeder and my hummingbird feed, and also shoes. My Crocs—they're not real Crocs, but they're Crocs or Amazon Crocs. Um, he's delivering my weird light fixtures that I get. He's also delivering um, fake screen doors for dogs if you don't have like an actual screen door on your door you tape one to your wall on the on the frame of your door and boom bob vila i just put up a fucking screen door even though it's a sheet that looks like a screen beggars can't be choosers i'm i own home depot you're welcome you're very welcome but thank you gage for your call i appreciate you bud and your job matters your job matters it matters more than the fucking president hey jesse may this is John, and I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I don't really have a question, but I just wanted to let you know that you are probably the funniest girl I've ever come across on the interwebs. Um, your laugh is infectious, and if I ever have anxiety or my depression is getting the best of me, I throw on a podcast that you're on, either if it's Sharp Tongue or when you're on Rogan or even Tiger Belly, and you just cracked me the F up and I just love it. And I just want to say thank you for, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but thank you for pulling us out of our dark ruts in that moment. And thank you for making me actually almost pee my pants laughing, listening to you laugh. And I hope you have a great night. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. You guys are just here throwing all the love. Thank you, John from Austin, Texas. I appreciate that. I'm glad that I could help be an antidote to your depression. I think Amazon, you think me. See, it's a full circle. I'm basically your Amazon driver is what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm not delivering packages. Well, I'm, I'm your package. It's just a, I'm a joy machine. That's what Whitney Cummings calls me. So I feel honored that I could help shift your energy. Cause I think, you know, sometimes we get into these depressing ruts and we don't know how to get out of them. And if you guys listen to this podcast, you know I'm all about mental health and I talk a lot about movement and how movement has helped me get out of any sort of the ruts that I have and how I exercise regularly to keep myself, um, you know, sort of regulated and to keep myself on a consistent level of, you know, hitting the gym, making sure I'm eating well and all of these other things to keep 
my immune system healthy and to keep my serotonin levels pumping and, and all of those good things. So I'm glad that I could be a part of that for you. Obviously, that's uh, it's such an honor to be that for people. And also, it drives me to do it more. It drives me to continue to put podcasts out and to do shows and be on the road and all of that. So thank you for anyone who shares that with me. I appreciate it, Thomas, in Austin, Texas. Stay weird, bro. Stay weird, man. And you might want to get some diapers if you're going to pee your pants. Just know that it's not the most attractive thing. Hey, Jesse May. This is Brian. I'm calling from Kauai, Hawaii. I was just curious if uh, you happen to know that Brad Pitt came to Tom Segura's show, I think, a week or two ago. So uh, I'm not sure if you knew he was a, a stand-up fan like that. But uh, So the chance is there one day, I think, uh, maybe that he shows up to one of your shows. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there in case you were unaware of his stand-up fan. Uh, I'm high. <laughs> Being a fan. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I love your show. I'll hopefully hear this on the podcast. It's okay if not to. <laughs> Thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Mahalo, Brian, all the way from Kauai, Hawaii. Wow. That is so funny you say that because I, um, I would like to talk to Tom Segura. I sent Tom Segura a message and, and Ryan Sickler being like, what, what the fuck are you doing with my husband? And you guys know, like, he's my husband. I'll show you how much of a husband he is for me. Wait, how do we do this? There he is. Okay. He's my screensaver. That means he's my husband. You back up, you back up. And I love your positivity. I love your enthusiasm and your sort of willing into existence into the universe that Brad Pitt will come to one of my shows. I think it's a really good point. I really do think it's a really good point and also a high probability that he could come out to one of my shows. And this is why I've got to be great at every show. This is why I can never phone it in because one day Brad Pitt's going to be smiling through me into my soul He's going to be smiling his love into my eyes and it's going to land into deep into my soul hole, which is my vagina. And, and I'm going to, and we're going to fall in love. So that's why I have to keep bringing it and I can't ever phone it in because I don't want to let my man down, you know, but it would be amazing to meet him. It's so far, Justin Martindale, Ryan Sickler and Tom Segura have all met him. So I'm due. Like, I think I'm next. I'm up. I'm, I'm next on deck and. I'm ready to be next on deck and on Dick. You guys were expecting that. Of course you were, you know me, but I would love to meet him. I really would. I think it would be hilarious. I don't know if he knows of me the way Stamos knows of me. I wonder how Stamos would feel if I totally was like, bye. See ya fella. I'm on to the next one. On to the next one. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you for your consideration. <laughs> he wouldn't care. This is all, you know, some people are like, you're a little weird with your Stamos thing. It's like, okay, well, you don't understand how what it means to have fun in life. Oh, you've never had a crush for 39 years? Yes, I'm 39, and I think that would be appealing to Brad because he already has enough kids. I don't know if I want one, and I'd only have one if it was a mutual thing, so imagine him and I have a beautiful baby boy, and I can carry on my dad's name. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever, Pit Peluso. Yes, he would be Joseph Jr. Pit Peluso. It can't, can't be Peluso Pit because that defeats the whole purpose. If I'm hyphenating, my name's going last, okay? 
let's be progressive together. But I totally can see that happening. I can see it happening for sure where Pitt becomes, comes to one of my shows and then just is charmed by me. He's either going to be charmed or disgusted. And I'm willing to take that risk. <laughs> not disgusted. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk shit about myself like that. I'm proud of what I'm doing on stage right now for the first time in so many years. It's taken, you know, losing everybody I love to sort of find my voice on stage. And I'll take that. It's, it's, it's an expensive rite of passage. But as a performer and a creative and a human being who's endured a lot, I, I understand that the struggle is the thing that creates the beautiful life, unfortunately. And you guys, if you haven't heard how I refer to life as now, I refer to it as brutal. It's brutal and beautiful at the same time, at the same damn time. I'm sure there's a few of you out there can, that can totally t relate to experiencing a beautiful moment and then the next thing you know, you get a phone call and it it's completely devastating. And while I'm sure in our mind, a lot of us just want a reprieve or just want life to be gumdrops and sunshine and rainbows and beautiful sunny days every day, that also would get old. Some of us don't want to admit it, but that would also get really old. So you have to trust during these trying times, during these struggles you're experiencing or challenges that on the other side of it, you're, you're going to realize how much you got out of it and the value of challenges and in the, in the morals it can instill in your own life and for your children. And this is the, I'm the stoned aunt saying this, you know, I don't even have kids. I've got three dogs. I still feel that I'm involved in creating morals and involved in setting an example and take pride in that. And uh, it's still just so hilarious to realize my whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> Wait, let me see if my sister will come in for a second. Hold on. Let me see if Emily will come in and say something for one second. Hold on. Sit right here. Come here. Just get used to the camera. Here. And we talk right into this. So the whole today, I've just been talking about what we realized that well, we're poor. <laughs> we were poor. We were poor. Why did we not know that? We weren't observant. Or do you think? Do you think mom and dad were good at creating? Oh, a positive environment. Did you ever think we were poor as kids? No. I thought we were middle class. I don't think we were. And I, I made an um, observation that I realized that we were poor because we never got on a plane for a vacation. <laughs> no, we did. Oh, we did. Mom's cereal box. The cereal boxes had coupons on the back. So mom, you had to save the UPCs and mom sent them all in and we got like a free plane ride. I think all of us. Some, I think it, we at least got free plane, plane rides, I think. Mom from a coupon box? From coupons on a cereal box? From the cereal box. Oh, we did, we did go to Disney World. We were, I was nine, you were four, five? Yeah, we did do that once. That's it. And we did bring, we brought food. We brought our, our meals. 
And we it also rained. remember it rained. It poured, and Emily cried on. Yeah, I didn't want to go on any rides that were fast. You didn't scary. want to go on M Thunder Mountain. You were so pissed. No, no thanks. You no. didn't like Magic or wait, wait. What was the one where you're in the stars? Is that Magic Mountain? Yes, it's Magic Mountain because it's you're in the dark. Yeah, you're and in the dark. And then I loved it. You did? I love that ride. Yeah. See, we weren't that poor. We had one vacation, and then the rest of our vacations were us packing the Caprice Classic. You remember that? Yeah. It was Going the U-Haul. Going to camp. Going to camp. <laughs> Where dad would get a boat. What was the boat called? it may or may not work. No, the boat's the steering wheel was attached to a piece of plywood that was falling off. <laughs> Remember the time we went tubing and it looked like we were going 90 miles an hour and the thing went 10? You could stand up on the tube with one leg and you wouldn't fall. It was called the Dome Dog. The Dome Dog. <laughs> I know we have a picture of that sucker someplace. We do. We do. We're in New York City with the kids. We're going to be going to Harry Potter tomorrow. Yes. Which I can't wait because I told them that our friend, who's our friend that's going to visit? Oh, Eddie? <laughs> Mr. Bull? Oh, Mr. Bull. We have a seat for Mr. Bull. Yeah, he will be in there. <laughs> highly present. What? Okay, here's uh, we can say to these people. We can wrap it up. What's one thing that parents should be a little less strict about for themselves like maybe you mean for the children or for the parents for them like being a parent like maybe not be so hard about yourself about this particular thing uh, having your kids like be perfect or having them be, wait that's good is that good or yeah. oh, i wasn't sure if you were talking about like specifically the par parent relationship no um i'm trying to not worry about my kids being perfect at everything or being like a type A person like I am. Which is so hard because we're both fucking perfectionists. So and I'm trying to be a little less, uh, um, less boundaries. <laughs> Look at you breathing. It's so hard for you to even say. <laughs> so hard. Like I let him go today. I let him, I let him go. No hands in New York. You know, you just walk around. You didn't hold their hands? Not the entire time. I think that's a bad mom. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. No, I mean in the park and then in the hotel. They could just kind of run a little bit. And I'm like, it's going to be all right. We're right here. It's going to be all right. That's the thing. And we also talked about the importance of struggle and how we don't realize how valuable struggle is on the other side for adults and for children. I always say just because you can doesn't mean you should. Ooh. So even if you have the means to provide your child, you should let them struggle. You know, they got to figure out their brain has to be wired to figure out how to survive every day. And if they don't have challenges or strife or struggle, then they don't learn how to deal with challenges when they get older. Damn, that's got to be hard to let your kids struggle. Oh, you can't always like be a you know helicopter mom or dad. You gotta let them just make a mistake and suffer consequences. And the one thing you do that is so hard, but I think it's so important is you don't baby them when they hurt themselves. Mm -mm. And you, I don't overreact, which I, I I did when I was younger with the baby when they were babies. But now I'm learning not to overreact because that makes them overreact. It makes them like if they're not if there's no bones sticking out and they're not bleeding profusely, they're fine. <laughs> From her lips to yours ear your ears. <laughs> I am not a doctor. Do not I am, don't worry. Yeah, she she can validate that statement, whether or not it's accurate. Mm, I'm Dr. Peluso. Seen. I, I prescribe that for you and your children. <laughs> well, we're gonna take edibles and go walk around the city. Love you guys. Peace.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.